Sunday, June the 12th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. We're going to dive into Hebrews chapter 12. If you have a Bible, you will find it really, really useful. But we are going to focus today mostly on the first three verses because they are so rich. And I'm going to hit into the second part of Hebrews 12 in a few weeks' time. I've got to chat again. Who are your heroes of the faith? Who are those for you that are the great crowd of witnesses that are mentioned here in the beginning of Hebrews 12. We've just come, if you remember, from Hebrews 11, and Simon did an absolute cracking talk on faith a couple of weeks ago. And within those passages, there are over 18 heroes of the Old Testament mentioned, people who were the great crowd of witnesses, but who are your great crowd of witnesses? I started thinking about this for myself. And they were people who I'd met and they were people who I hadn't met. They were people that I've read their books of and they're people from scripture. So for example, Jackie Pullinger would be one of those heroes of the faith for me. She served tirelessly in Hong Kong with drug addicts and those at end of life from all kinds of diseases, serving the poor, but also sharing the gospel. Jackie Pullinger is one of those heroes of the faith that inspired me when I first became a Christian, when actually I read her story and thought, wow, Jesus changes lives. She's a hero of the faith, part of that great cloud of witnesses that have gone before me. Katie Foe is also one of those encouragers for me. I'd love you for five minutes, and then I think we'll be welcoming Izzy, to chat with the people next to you about who are your heroes of the faith. Perhaps you want to share somebody who's alive today. Perhaps you want to share someone from scripture. Perhaps you want to share somebody's book you've read or somebody that has been there encouraging your journey of faith. And you've got five minutes so everyone can have a chance to chat. Go.
got two more minutes, so if someone hasn't had a chance to share, let them have a go. Okay, if you want to be bringing your conversation to a close, would anybody like to tell me who their hero of the faith is? Anybody? If not, I'm just going to pick on a few people, starting with the one I'm married to. <laughs> Mention me. <laughs> he didn't speak. He didn't? Oh, good. Oh. Well, apart from you, my dear. Um, so I think... Um, one of the sort of the public heroes of faith, I've got several, but I think one of the key people who I sort of admire would be Mike Pilavachi. So he was the guy who set up Soul Survivor, and for like 10, 15 years we went to Soul Survivor. And just seeing that man minister in that environment and the number of lives that were changed because of his work and his ministry, I think it was really you know, humbling. You know, his stories are a bit rambly and he wasn't perfect, but actually his... The way you know the 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 way he put his heart into it, and the and the God impact of that was just incredible. I think. Yeah, Mike Pilavati, a hero of faith. Anyone else? Katie. Okay, so I went straight for a Bible person mm-hmm. as soon as you said that. So I went for Rahab, um, inside the walls of Jericho, mm-hmm. hiding the spies, hanging her little red thread mm-hmm. out of her window. I thought that took great courage. Mm. She didn't have the greatest of pasts. I can relate to that. Mm. So I appreciate that there is always the chance to turn things around. Absolutely. I had Rahab down as mine. (laughs) Jane? Uh, For me, it would be either King David or Peter. And the reason is that they both messed up, and yet Jesus loved them. And uh, I feel that gives me great encouragement. (laughs) He will still love me. Brilliant. Liam's got someone. Did someone say? Liam's got someone. <laughs> no, I like people like that. Let's have it. Okay, so some may have heard of him, but some may have not. But one of my heroes of the faith is a guy called John Wycliffe. Can I just check the mics on? It's on. There you go. It's not as if my voice is quiet, so. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, a guy called John Wycliffe. Who's heard of John Wycliffe? Mm-hmm. Yes. The reason I like John Wycliffe is because he stood on this, the Bible. He stood up for the Bible where others around his time were attacking it. So I still got, I'd like to think that we would all do that if we had the opportunity. John Wycliffe, an absolute legend. Absolute legend. Margaret. Well, my main hero 
would be my um, Sunday school teacher who um, uh, really led me to Jesus and um, it's uh, 70 years ago this month <laughs> since I gave my life to Jesus through her teaching. Amazing. 70 years later, Margaret still going strong with Jesus, isn't that awesome? We could probably all share all day some of these people. Can you imagine having all these people around a dining room table? How amazing would that be? I wonder what questions you would ask them. I wonder what you'd say to them. I wonder what, uh, well, I would just sit there and listen, I think, which is unusual for me. So that would be amazing. But can you imagine having some of these heroes of faith, this great cloud of witnesses around your dining room table to talk and to share? I wonder what they would say to you or think about that in just a moment. But let's think a little bit about what the rest of this passage is about. But I want you to keep those heroes of faith in your mind because the rest of the passage is about the fact that we're in a race and that there are things that hold us back. So right at the beginning of this passage, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. You see, to run a race like Margaret has for 70 years with Jesus, we need to make sure we're throwing off the things that make us heavier, that do not help us run the race. We need to make sure that the sin in our lives, the things that put ourselves first, that stop us from running the race for Jesus, can be thrown off. And there are sins that are easily avoided, but we don't. There are sins that in our society today are admired, that are almost praised going out on a Saturday night and getting really drunk. is seen as what we do as a society. But it's a sin that must be laid aside. There are many others like that. There are sins that ensnare us, that are especially harmful to us. There are sins that are dangerous, more dangerous than others. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says all sins. We've got to get rid of all of the sins if we're going to run the race. There's no sin that's greater than the others. Yes, some are more dangerous, some are more harmful, some affect others, not just ourselves. But the Bible encourages us to throw off all sin, all that hinders us, all sins. Because we're in a race, because we are in a race. The Greek for race is agona. And some people debate whether the book of Hebrews was written by Paul or not. And this is one of the reasons they use, because Paul loves the metaphor of a race. And he loves the metaphors around training. But he isn't talking just about what Izzy's just done. He's talking about the conflict or struggles that we all face. The conflict and struggles that we have today as a uh, people in the 21st century is talking about all kinds of struggles. And let's face it, we all have those. We're all in a race and we all have things that try and stop us running those for Jesus. The race, though, must be run with perseverance. Perseverance, again, a little Greek word, Humpiophone. I listen to that on Amazon a lot. Humpiophone. It's a great word. 
And William Barclay puts it like this. We need to run the race with perseverance, which means not sitting down and accepting things, but the patience that masters things. It's a determination, an unhurrying and yet underlaying, which goes steadily on and refuses to be deflected. We need to run through the struggles of life with a perseverance and endurance that doesn't just sit there and say, it's going to end soon, it's going to end soon, life will get back to normal. How many times have we said that in the last few years? But with a perseverance, a patience that says, through this race, there are some skills that I have to master. Through this conflict, I need to do something active. It could be really committing to pray. It could be signing up for some spiritual healing. It could be dot, dot, dot. There are hundreds of things that God gives us so that we can endure and persevere through times that are hard. One day I'll have a different story to share, but I hope you're happy that I talk a bit more about my mum and the grief of that. So it's a personal moment for me. My mum died at Christmas of COVID very suddenly. January was awful. It's the longest month I've ever endured. And I read some stuff about, about grief. I listened to some podcasts about grief. And all of them seemed to imply to me that it'll get better with time. It'll get better with time. So I thought, brilliant, February will come, it'll be sorted. (laughs) I'm naive, I fully get that. And then March came, and March was still pretty tough. Fortunately, the sun came out a little bit more, so that helped. And some people were kind. But the cliche that it got easier with time didn't seem to. And yes, it was only three months. And yes, I'm sure there'll be a lot of things that time does heal. But for me... I listened to a podcast that was about enduring through times of grief and everything changed. You see this guy, uh, he writes about being an emotionally healthy leader. He says all of us face grief in one way or another. All of us lose something or someone or grieve a job or a career or a dream or something that we have. He says all of us face grief. All of us have to run a race But we don't just sit there waiting for it to get better. We don't just say time's going to heal. There are things to master within that time that will make grief come to Jesus and to find hope again. It was really significant. This was back in March. And he said that there were some things I could master every day that would heal that would help me hope again, that would renew in me that sense of one day I will see my mum again face to face, which at that point I was struggling with even that concept. There were some things I could master and first and foremost, they were not hiding from God. As I got angrier and angrier about my mum's death, I found I was not being honest with God or even those around me or myself. And part of persevering through the grief journey has been about me saying, I'm not going to hide how I feel. I'm going to share with myself how I feel and those around me. But most of all, I'm going to share with God. I'm going to come to God and say, do you know what, God? Today I don't like you very much. I know you love me, but I'm not sure I like you very much. Could you please help me with that? 
We read in the Psalms of David again and again coming and being honest with God, lamenting with him. And God was saying to me, if you're going to endure this race without getting bitter and angry with me or those around me, I need you to be honest about how you feel. There are loads and loads of other skills that I need to master as I navigate the journey of grieving for my mum. There are loads of other things that I need to master. And and yes, will it make grief easier or lighter? I'm not sure. But I'm being honest in my walk. I'm enduring and persevering in a way that I wasn't in January and February. Believing that God is the only one who can really meet all of that stuff that's so hard for me. What does running the race with perseverance mean for you? Your race, your challenge, might look very different to mine at the moment. I suspect it does. It could be an illness or a family member. It could be a worry about your work or something going on at school with exams or whatever it is. What is the thing that you are having to run a race through at the moment? What is God saying to you about the things you need to master so that you can persevere, that you can endure? Perhaps it is about sin and allowing God to come and bring forgiveness and restoration and giving you the strength to not do that again. Let's just have a moment where we stop. Think about your own race. Let's just close our eyes perhaps for a moment. Lord, we're all in a race. We're all in a race. And as you think of your race, just bring it to Jesus And let's ask him, Lord, how do I run this race with perseverance? What do I need to master? Perhaps it's a different prayer routine or being honest with someone. What is it that you're saying to me, Lord, about running the race with perseverance rather than just sitting and accepting that this is my lot? I want to grow, Lord, even through the hard bits of life. I need to grow. Help me by your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Got some good news. That's all right. Still in verse 2, and it begins with saying, let us run. Let us run. Izzy did her run on her own. That's impressive. That's impressive. But the Bible isn't saying to us we run on our own. It says, let us run with perseverance. Now, this is a good uh, Baptist talk, so I have to put a Spurgeon quote in, right? 
He says he stands with us at the starting point and earnestly says to us, not run, but let us run. The apostle himself is at our side as a runner. Those heroes of faith that we were talking about at the beginning, that crowd of witnesses are cheering us on. They've gone before us. They know the races. It's interesting hearing your personal people because it says something about how you became uh, persevering through races. Perhaps that person's spoken into your life at a certain point and that's why they're a hero of faith. Let us run. We're not only running with the heroes of faith cheering us on, we're running together as a church family. That's why we're called to follow uh, God together, not on our own. So, time to talk again. You're probably bored of me. I think the heroes of faith that you have named would have something to say about the race you're running at the moment. I think they would have something to encourage you with. So perhaps you need to imagine you're sat having a coffee with that person. What word of encouragement do you think they would say to you? I was thinking about Jackie Pullinger. Jackie Pullinger um, encountered grief after grief after grief. Many, many of the people she served died prematurely from their drug addictions or from their life choices but she sat with them even until the end. She experienced grief after grief. I wonder what she would have to say to me about loss and grief. I'd love that conversation with her. What would she say to me? So, with the person next to you, thinking about your heroes of faith, Katie, what would Rahab have to say to you in this moment that's an encouragement? And then if you have time, you might want to go in. If they had something to challenge you about, what would they say? Having seen your situation, what would they say? I wonder what Jackie Pullinger would say about the way that I survived January and February. Probably you were a bit slow in catching up with what God was doing, Claire. She's quite direct, Jackie Pullinger. I've heard her speak a few times. But what words of challenge would she offer or would they offer today? You've got five minutes again. Why don't you have a chat with your neighbour?
just another minute, everyone. So if someone hasn't had a chance to talk, or you'd like to jump in another people's group, you could swap around. Go and share your wisdom with someone else. You haven't got any wisdom. You've got wisdom. Okay, you can bring your conversations to a close. I'm not going to ask you to share publicly on this one. I wonder what those heroes of faith would encourage you with today or challenge you with or uh, question you about. We're all in a race. We've got people cheering us on. We've got people uh, spurring us on who've gone before us, who we can learn from, from uh, books, from all kinds of things that will help us in the race that we've run. We've also got the challenge to leave the sin that so easily entangles us behind because that is one of the number one things that will stop us persevering as we go forward in our faith through this journey. But there's one last thing in these verses that uh, are really, really important. And I suspect lots of you have had a fridge magnet with this on. Or a colouring page when you were in Sunday school. or Because it's such a key passage. We're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith. Running the race requires us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, I asked you right at the beginning, if you remember that, before Izzy arrived, if you were to run a race, what would inspire you to do so? If you were to be doing a race, what would inspire you to do so? My answer is, I would need somebody who's run a marathon before me to train me. If Usain Bolt offered to help me learn to run, I reckon I could do it. Don't you? Okay, that's really not encouraging, friends. Thank you, Margaret, who was vaguely encouraging. My husband was not. We have words later. It might take me a few years of training with Usain Bolt, but I think he would be able to help me. Maybe even Izzy, but I'm not going to ask her because that would just get awkward. Jesus has gone before us. He has run the race. He was the one who designed the race. He encountered the race. He encountered conflict and challenge. His life was not easy. He experienced grief and great joy. He experienced poverty and hardship. He experienced being misunderstood. And it says that because of the joy set before him, he endured All of that, including the cross, scorning its shame. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, because of the joy before him, Jesus kept his tongue in those hard situations where I bet he wanted to speak. He kept his course going. He kept his joy. He kept loving Because of the joy before him, Jesus endured extreme challenge, shame, wrongful accusation, beating, mocking, and even a death at the age of 
33. Who better to teach us to run the race? Who better than to teach us to run the race than Jesus, who endured all of this for the joy that was set before him? What an encouragement. And what does it say we have to do? Fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, I know if I was to start training with Usain Bolt, I wouldn't be able to keep my eyes fixed on him for very long because he'd be gone. But Jesus is there beside us, with us, for us, cheering us on. And all he says is, fix your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. And you will endure whatever race you're in. And so the passage in verse 3 ends with a little encouragement. Why don't we let Jesus and the heroes of faith that we've talked about today to help us not grow weary or lose heart. Consider him who endures such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And with that in mind, we're going to turn to respond. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Why don't you stand with me? Because as I was preparing this rather rapidly on Thursday, I felt God say some of us are feeling a bit weary of the race. Some of us might be feeling a bit tired. So why don't you stand with me? Let's close our eyes for a moment. And why don't you fix your eyes on Jesus? You might physically just want to raise your gaze. Why don't you fix your eyes on Jesus? His Holy Spirit is present amongst us. And as you glimpse him, I ask Holy Spirit that you come so that we can hear the words of Jesus. That we can hear his encouragement. As you fix your eyes on Jesus, what is he saying to you to help you run the race? For some of us, we need to hear that cry, don't grow weary. I'm with you. I'm strengthening you. I've been holding you for the last month. I've been present with you. I've never left you alone. For some of us, as we've run the race, that sin that we talked about at the beginning has stopped us seeing Jesus. We felt the shame of it or the separation of it. Why don't you just whisper to God a sorry? He says he's faithful and just and he'll forgive our sins. Why don't you leave the sin with Jesus right now? Why don't you just whisper that sorry right now? Some of us, we've been trying to work out how we do this race on our own. 
thinking that we could do it better somehow. Lord, we lay our own agenda down before you right now. And we fix our eyes on you and ask that you straighten our paths, that you help us understand your priorities and that we can walk in step with you. And perhaps somebody here has never really fixed their eyes on Jesus before. This is all new. I'm talking about stuff that you're going, what? If I fix my eyes on Jesus, things change. If that's you, why don't you just raise your gaze? There's a God who loves you, who gave himself for you, who invites you to run the race of life with him, putting him at first as Lord. If that's you, why don't you just open your heart to Jesus right now? And so, Holy Spirit, as we continue to worship with this next song, come and bring your encouragement. Strengthen weary legs. Bring hope back in this room. Help us to know we are forgiven so that we can build our lives firmly on you, our rock. Let's sing together.